or maybe there's a question people online can can write in the chat yes you often talk about a big you and living you mm. can you just put some words in that the little you is uh, referring to the narrative self to the to the identification with stories feelings thoughts and the body the little you does not exist only imagined but we believe in it so that's why we feel separate and we feel that there's something to protect and the little you is the root cause for the identification with the little you or little self or the, or the little me is the is the, according to the buddhist teachings is the root cause of our um of our recklessness of our greed of our violence of our fears and the little the big you is also sometimes called the self with a capital s so that would be what Lama Yeshe here uh, describes as the source of love and wisdom, Buddha nature. Yes. You were mentioning like uh, that the uh, thoughts about past, their thoughts and future thoughts and so on. Uh, sometimes, like when I'm, I feel like when. Even in the present, like I'm trying to be in the present, in itself, it's kind of like a split of a second thought. Um, is it something that with time, kind of like I'm not gonna even think about it in a way, or because like the awareness in itself, like I'm, when I'm trying to be aware, um, when I'm getting a thought, so I'm just like, oh, it's a thought. In itself, it's a thought, like because I'm thinking about thoughts. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. Yes. So it's with time. It just kind of resolve itself in and mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so one thing is to recognize you can't try to be in the present moment. You can't try to be somewhere where you are already. You, you can't try to be here. This is it. How can that that would be like me trying to sit here and yes, and sometimes we need to make this journey like oh like you know someone you no know, i I'm saying 
I'm try I'm really trying hard to be here. I'm saying to the big teacher, I, I'm really trying to, to be here. And he's saying to me, April, but you're already there. No, I'm not here. I'm this can't be it. This, this is not so then the teacher says, okay, go to the kitchen, make yourself a tea, come back, sit down. And then, uh, so that would be the, the journey. Yeah? So the journey of, uh, of the hero, which is in a way not necessary, but it is necessary. Is that why that you have a problem with the word or the concept of self-development? Because we are where the Buddha is. We are there or here. I don't know. Problem. It's fine. And uh, so while you're doing the self development, while, while you're doing the practices, it's a beautiful way to. to spend your time but while you are doing this you are already here yeah so and there seems to be a, a correlation in the traditions be between trying to get there and doing all this stuff until you are enchanted by the trying It seems that the longing which is expressed through the trying, you know, that longing, that yearning, that, that somehow is important. But sometimes it happens, it breaks into the life of people and they find themselves here and they even didn't long for it. But that's maybe not so not so often. The thoughts, you, you know, you were talking about thoughts. So also the thoughts are happening here in the present moment. So the problem is that when we have a thought about the past, we we take this thought serious. We, we, we believe that the thought is referring to something real. But at one point, you start to recognize, oh, this thought is not a problem, but it is happening in the present moment. So thoughts can, can't bring you out of the present moment. A thought is an, a movement in the present moment. We don't need to get rid of thoughts. Actually, trying to get rid of thoughts is giving them a kind of status, a, a kind of reality or validity they don't have. 
And then one thought refers to the next thought, to the next thought, to the next thought, to the next thought. And thoughts here also uh, includes mental images. So it's not thoughts is not only the kind of the the spoken, the voice, it's also the mental images. So any other question about meditation or your practice or Something you want me to talk about, yes. Um, how do you approach thoughts that are particularly reoccurrent or mm. thoughts where um, I, I, still, I will struggle with thoughts for months or years where it's mm. just a recurrent pro- problem and mm. it can remain a, a hindrance in my practice? Mm. And sometimes I wonder what's the, the best approach to deal with those particularly powerful thoughts. Yeah. Did you find something helpful for you? Um, Already something? I mean, my practice has helped. Mm. Um, for me, a lot of the times the thoughts are thoughts of the past. So things such as guilt and... Mm. I don't know how to approach it in my mm. practice because yeah. almost sometimes accepting the thought is a way of almost kind of, uh, I have a thought saying I shouldn't accept it because it's almost trying mm. to say, I don't know, it's like mm. a conflict within myself. Yeah. Yeah. So one, uh, one helpful Direction could be when there is a sticky story going on to ask the question, where do I feel this in the body? Like when you have thoughts about the past which which make you feel guilty and with your own experience, you have already now figured out I can't solve that through more thinking. Yeah. Because the more thinking actually makes it worse. Yeah. Like, uh, so a helpful direction is to, to become curious about that guilt you feel. What is that? Where is that in the body? Why is it difficult to be with that? To, to, to notice that, that it is an energy which is changing and to welcome it, to, to be with it, to breathe into it. And of course, again, that's counter-instinctual because we try to get rid of it through thinking. We try to find a solution. We try to find, through thinking, come to a place so that we can forgive ourselves or something like that, and then the guilt will be gone. Yeah. So the counter-instinctual movement here is to uh, to kind of give up the project of solving this through thinking and 
we you, you explore the the energy of of that of that emotion and you 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 use a kind of vipassana approach to that so you go you try to go beyond into the bare into the bare energy into the bare experience without even words I found that uh, uh, that helpful, and then yeah, something opens up. So a feeling which is really felt, and it's and it's giving the space, but it needs to be felt with a willingness to give it the time it needs. That's difficult, because. We we might understand, yeah, it, it makes sense. What I want to heal in myself, I need to touch, I need to feel. But I do that because I want to get rid of it. So there is resistance in it. There is a manipulation in it. And that, and that becomes part of that contraction. So it is this, uh, it, it, it's quite a radical step to, to be willing to feel your pain as long as it takes. Even if it gets worse, and sometimes it gets worse in the beginning, because you, you, you start to pay attention to it, so the energy starts to move. But then, at one point, that's like the power of loving attention of presence, something starts to shift. And then you probably, and that shift might not happen if you do it one time or two times or three times, but it could be years where that particular guilt or that particular pain comes comes back another direction is uh, which you train in some meditation practices is um, is to redirect your attention to the meditation object but that's a very temporary solution. So you know when people get very skillful in that, they are able to you know as soon as something unpleasant, uh, an unpleasant feeling arises, they are able to pay attention to something pleasant or you know a fantasy or a meditation object, and then you have a temporary peace because. You have directed your attention to something else. But that guilt will remain. You, you, can't, you can't bypass it through distracting yourself forever. And if you don't do it in this life, it will be there in the next life to be embraced. But it is, a, it is also a skillful 
uh, a skillful tool to have as long as you are aware. It's fine to distract yourself. It's fine to, you know, that's not wrong. I mean, but uh, while you're doing this, you, 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 you still have the awareness that there has to be the time and I will take that time. Maybe not now, because maybe now in the office or you know, in a certain period of your life, you need to focus on something else. That's fine. But, you know, there has to be the time in my life where I really go into it, feel it. A little bit. And then a little bit more. Maybe with someone else. I mean, if, if you are afraid to go, to go alone into your inner life, then uh, ask for help. Either like a person or Tara or an angel or whatever. It's, it's interesting to become aware how addicted we are to thinking. How, how thinking is our refuge. Almost like initially that could be really strange to rely less on thinking. Yes. Um, just on the thread of analytical mind and rumination and overthinking, when that's in the context of the present moment and you're forced to make a decision, mm. and there, there, there must be some, some times when, we, when the analytical mind is useful. Mm -hmm. Do you have any reflections or advice on when to do that in a conscious way? Mm. Not get caught in too much analyzing, and not making a reactive, mm. uh, impulsive decision or choice. Mm. Defin definitely, it's possible to allow uh, decisions to emerge without thinking. So, but there is also. Uh, you know, in the Tibetan tradition, there's a whole category of what they call analytical meditation, where you, uh, where you, where you use the conceptual mind in a constructive way. But uh, so the the most empowering uh, direction would be to inhabit the source of love and wisdom, and so that that would be like uh, what is called enlightened activity. So something something in us knows already what is the most beneficial thing is for everyone. In, there was uh, now I, I lost your question. Uh, so, until then, 
what is probably helpful in a moment of reactivity. So you, you, you become familiar with how, how it feels when you are contracted. So you become aware of that when, when you're, when you're in a reactive state and you want to do something. So that is a good moment to pause and let things settle. Like you don't need to shoot the email immediately. Yeah. You maybe and you know that you have shooted an email if 10 minutes later when things are calmed down you think oh shit I did it again. Yeah. But it's difficult to uh, to pause in these moments to 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 kind of oh, I just wait a little. Just just stay here. Feel your feelings. You know, but it's so it can be so unbearable, yeah. That that, or if someone says something, particular someone close to you, which hurts you, to not immediately shoot, but uh, so that would be reactivity, but to like take a breath, and and then and then respond from a more creative part. Is that connected with your question? Or? It does, and I definitely recognize and I've, I've experienced the power of, of pausing. Yeah. Just in my own circumstance, I really get paralyzed with making a decision, and I overanalyze and I get caught between this Mm. I'm too reactive or I analyze too much and the space in between that I find hard to connect to sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, I do know I, yeah. I can because it's powerful. Yeah, I, I, I think what many of us could uh, could grow into more is to um trust uh, to trust the guts like of course you can do your mind map and you know plus and so and so on and uh, so that's fine and take some time for that uh, they, they, I, I, some time ago I, I read this book uh, it's called in a blink in a blink of a moment and um, Something like that, and it gave many examples of um, <coughs> how it, how we often have a sense of where to go, like I mean, right or left or something like that. Should I should I do this or should I do that? That that that. Uh, that uh, that we have that capacity in, in the split of a second to to feel this is the place I want to move or this is I, in this place I don't like so but then what happens is we make our mind map what are the advantages what are the disadvantages and we end up moving into the place we don't want yeah because Everyone, your parents, everyone says, this is stupid to move there. I mean, you don't have water there, yeah, or something like that. 
and then we 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 trust the the mind map and the opinions of other more than 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 our feeling and then in that whole process for me it's also helpful to see that it doesn't matter because wherever you move it will suck <laughs> wherever you move wherever you wherever you move there will be the most surprising problems and then if you have a when you have um, the the intention in your life to to grow then you know you can grow and learn in in every situation so that gives a bit that it makes it a bit lighter yeah like i mean this so every place you move to has its particular problems and challenges and they are there to make you grow it's really crazy that we think that we can figure out what's the best for is for us we we have no clue and you can love there and you can love there so then you start to move through this a bit lighter it's like when we are living from the point of view of the narrative self then what the narrative self is looking for is happiness for itself for for me that's such a narrow way to live your life i i want to make the right decision for me because the right decision will make me happy i'm not really sure how to phrase this question Stephen, but uh, but it's from the provisional right? mm. uh, so um for those of us where the big shift uh, has not occurred or stabilized it can sometimes feel really discouraging, right? After uh, having practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced, right? Mm. And then occasionally, like these glimpses come, uh, and it's really nice, and then it's gone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know that many of us have the sense that over the years of practicing, uh, like uh, less of uh, and, and more subtle changes have occurred. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering if you could reflect a little bit on uh, uh, what to notice in one's development, right? Uh, to check if uh, or remind oneself that one is actually, you know, clearing up. Mm, mm, you know what I mean? Mm, mm. I 
I mean, sometimes people say something like one shouldn't have expectations and But I think it's also important to kind of rejoice or celebrate and acknowledge when you start to notice over a longer period of time that you're traveling lighter. And one way, one way could be just, you know, to contemplate maybe together with a friend. How did you move through life five years ago? Like to remember uh, and then to notice, yeah, things which freaked me out completely five years ago, they just freaked me out less. And, and, and you notice that. And sometimes it's, it's really nice for me um, when I talk with someone who who says something like, yeah, I'm practicing and not so much is happening and maybe there's an idea of this shift and yeah, and um, and it didn't happen, as you said. Uh, and then if then I ask, yeah, but I, and often I know this person for many years and I, I notice the lightness, yeah? And, and that's very beautiful then to reflect that back to another person and to say, hey, you know, I remember five years, five years ago. Uh, do you remember? You know? And and then they, yeah, actually, yeah, right. Yeah, something, something is, something is uh, changing. Something is shifting. It's good to 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 acknowledge that and celebrate that. Yeah. You want to say something to that? Yeah. What kinds of uh, changes did you notice in the last five years? Um, well, that I've been told right, that I used to be very uh, erratic or mm -hmm. you know, all over the place. And, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and now I'm not. Yeah. Right? So, so that's something. Uh, and internally, uh, when I get freaked out by anxiety or something, uh, it, it lasts, uh, right. you know, for a yes. long time, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So on. And, uh, yeah. and these things, and the, the, the glimpses are more frequent. Yeah. Right. Yes. Uh, but yeah. but uh, nothing, uh, right, that resembles uh, what the narrative self in me, right, like mm. me, uh, wants out of, uh, like, the thing. Mm. You know? um, so, so that's also a bit of a, a struggle, right? Acknowledging mm. uh, that part of me that really, really, really wants the the, the big uh, awareness shift, right? Mm. Uh, and then, you know, that's fine, right? But uh, immensely needed in fact. It isn't it also that like the darkness you experience sometimes that. You can easier be with that, or it's not so frightening. Like, yeah, there's more space for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, doesn't it doesn't overwhelm. Yeah, yeah. and of course, that's a huge difference. And I, maybe you have too much the idea it's possible not to experience the darkness. 
like to come to a place where where you're not human anymore. <laughs> yeah. Some people have that idea that that uh, the shift means I I disconnect from I transcend humanity and I transcend the who I am. Kind of like so occasionally in films there is this uh, experience of just mm. being awareness floating in space. Right? Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. But then I have a conversation with uh, Daniel and then the human is back, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 a more profound shift. I mean, that that is a you know to have that kind of glimpse of pure awareness or whatever. That's beautiful, but a deeper awakening, uh, if you want to call it, or a deeper shift would be the integration. So it's like. It's a, it's not a transcend. It's transcend and include. In order to, to do the transcending part, it's it's wonderful to have this oneness experiences or something like that, but that's that's incomplete. So it's this transcend and include. So this is also a problem with um, this. Image of Lama Yeshe. So there are the clouds and there's the sun. That's dualistic. Yeah. As if the clouds are, the, as if there's two things. There's the, what you experience in the glimpse, pure awareness, pure love. And the clouds, they are something else. But actually, the clouds are more like the sun rays of the sun. The source of love and wisdom is not is so. Let's say that we call the source of love and wisdom the, the sun. So that which is sometimes put into the category of clouds is actually the radiance of the sun. It's the sun rays, but they are not recognized as the sun rays. They are recognized as the other, the clouds. The anxiety, the <coughs> the sadness. So a bigger shift would be to recognize the source of love and wisdom in the sun rays, in the clouds. There is only love. There is only love, <laughs> and there is not. Clouds covering up the love, but our experience is that our human existence, our human feelings, that they cut us or separate us from love, but they are the movement of love, and they are not recognized as that. So, not recognizing the human experience as love, that's samsara.
it's a huge difference of kind of starting to starting to um, use that as a you know, as a as a way to look at your experience and i could i could you smiled a little you know you kind of you could see the potential in it or something that at least, at least it, that's what i interpret but it's a it's a big difference to actually see it like that And again, this is a teaching or a pointer which is often not suitable to give. It's too much. So then you then you have to then you have to pre, not pretend. You have to. You 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 support that person with provisional methods, so that and pointers so that the clouds become maybe more transparent, so that at one point the clouds are can be seen as love. I just was thinking uh, a, a little story came to my mind. Uh, it's about uh, it's from Sufis, Sufism. It's um, there is this uh, practitioner who uh, who longs so much for Allah and is praying, Allah, please reveal yourself for years and years with a big with a lot a lot of longing. Um, and then uh, nothing happens, and he gives up. And then uh, the the teacher noticed that, and and asked the student, "Why why do you give up your longing?" And then the student says, "Yeah, I." I long and long and long and nothing happens. And then the teacher says, your longing is Allah. Your longing is Allah. So that's speaking to that longing in you. Yeah. 